how do you get copywriting clients when you have no professional writing experience, no connections, and no idea where to even start? Today, I'm going to share with you the exact steps you should take because they're exactly what I did to go from unemployed to full-time freelance copywriter in less than four months despite having no professional writing experience and transitioning from a completely unrelated career field, which was sales. If you have been dreaming of making a full-time living as a writer with no boss, no commute, no office politics, then keep watching because by the end of this video, you're going to know exactly how to find clients, how to reach out to them, how to get them to say yes, and how to repeat until you have a full-time client roster. I'm Christine. I'm a former nine-to-five salesperson turned freelance copywriter, and now I teach other aspiring writers how to get on LinkedIn and land high-paying freelance clients. My number one tip for anybody starting out as a freelance copywriter is to avoid going on bidding sites and freelance marketplaces like Fiverr and Upwork. Although you can get your start on these sites, it's going to be a bit of a struggle if you can't find the higher-paying clients Everybody's story is unique in terms of how they got started as a freelance copywriter. But for me personally, I went from unemployed to making a full-time income in as little as four months. And I believe the reason why that was possible was because I did not go on Fiverr, Upwork, or set up any profiles on any other sites other than LinkedIn. Now, I'm not saying you have to avoid those platforms altogether. I've personally never been on there bidding for jobs. I have used it for hiring because I had a client that wanted me to hire a writer on that platform. To me, it seemed very saturated. It kind of seemed like a meat market for writers. So not only do I not like how saturated it is, I don't like that it puts the client in the driver's seat. I don't like that the client has their pick between you and a million different writers because of the way it's set up. And I don't like that they take a portion of your earnings. I go through hell and back in my freelance business to make sure that nothing is taking a portion of my earnings. That's why I don't really accept payments via PayPal from clients. It's why I don't accept wire transfer fees for my clients abroad. And it's why I don't use any payment services for the most part. I always demand that my clients pay me direct deposit because that's the way to get the full portion of my fee. I just don't like the middleman. Speaking of middleman, let me tell you the three type of clients you're mostly going to be working for as a freelance copywriter. There's working directly for the client. For example, one of my clients was DocuSign. They were a big name and something I was proud to put on my copywriting website. I worked directly for them. So when I cold pitched them, I reached out to somebody within their marketing department. I got on a call and I eventually made them a retainer and I eventually started getting retainer work for them on a month to month basis directly from DocuSign. The second type of client you can work for is an agency. So an agency is basically a company that is taking on the clients and then farming out the work to another writer. They usually have a business that's broken up into several different parts. There's usually a CEO who handles getting the client and doing the business aspect of it. They'll typically have an account manager who's responsible for dealing with the client, making the client happy, making sure the client gets what they need. They handle all the communication. And then that account manager will get on a call with a writer and tell them what needs to be done. I'm going to share my experience working with agencies. It hasn't been great. Now, agencies can be really good for a number of reasons. So I'm going to tell you why they're good, but I'm going to tell you why I don't typically work with agencies. So agencies can be great because they can get you access to companies that you would never have the opportunity to actually get in contact with. So for me personally, when I work for an agency, they gave me work from HP and Salesforce, which were like companies that I would never probably have success 
cold pitching directly. They have really built out marketing departments. They have a lot of relationships with agencies that are handling marketing functions. So if anyone was to ever answer me from some of those organizations, they'd probably just say, no, we use an agency for that. So the agency kind of owns really valuable relationships with a lot of these big companies and the writers who are working for those agencies get those assignments. Not only can they give you access to really coveted clients and your dream bucket list clients, but they handle a lot of the business development tasks that writers absolutely hate. So if you have a relationship with an agency where they're giving you work every single month, you don't have to coordinate with the client. You're probably not emailing back and forth with the client. You didn't need to land that client and convince them and sell them on you and your writing services because the agency is brokering that relationship. So a lot of writers will have like one or two agency clients that they rely on to give them month-to-month retainer work. So that is obviously a huge selling point. Now for the downsides, anytime there's a middleman, they're going to take a portion of your rate. That's the number one reason why I don't work with agencies at this point in my career, because I'm confident enough at cold pitching and getting my own clients that I don't need somebody to take a large portion of my fee. Now, I wouldn't care about how much of the fee is taken out if I still got to command my rate, but I am charging at the higher end. So that is why so many agencies at this point have actually turned me down after asking me to work for them, because when I tell them what I require in terms of pay, they realize it would eat too much into their profit. So there's no point in working with me. So I have yet to find an agency client that is going to pay me the same amount and the same rate that I get from going direct to the client. So for me, I guess it's more worth it for me to cold pitch the client myself, build my own relationship and command my full rate and have more control over the entire process. I believe every writer, even the ones that are introverted or who don't think of themselves as salesy and great client relationship managers, I think we're all capable of working directly for the client and don't necessarily need to be so reliant on these agencies. Now, the third reason why I don't work for agencies is because I have not been treated well by the writing agencies that I've worked for. I think this is something that might be specific to my niche, which is B2B technology, specifically software. I have been treated so rudely. I've been given crazy turnaround times. The way they questioned my rates and tried to make me feel like I wasn't worth charging that. They're, they can be very manipulative and very rude in the way that they deal with writers. I find that agencies don't value writers or what a writer does, and therefore they don't show enough respect for me to want to continue to work with them. Some of my hardest days as a freelancer, and we all have these really hard days as freelance writers, we get bad feedback or we get ghosted by a client or our client gets fired and all of a sudden we're out of one of large portions of our income. It can definitely be a really rocky road. And I have to say that some of my absolute worst, rockiest days were with my agency clients. And that's why I just really don't bother with them anymore. The last thing I will say about agencies is what I have realized is that it's hard for agencies to form a really strong relationship with clients. So a lot of the time, the client will treat the agency really badly. A lot of clients, maybe this is just in my niche, they see advertising and marketing agencies as very disposable. So the minute something goes wrong, even if it might have been the client's issue with their communication, they are ready to get rid of that agency. And you as the writer who you're just freelancing for the agency, you have no control over anything that goes down. If they don't like the agency you're working for and they cancel, then you're gone too. And I've been on calls with the client and the agency 
And I've seen the way the client treats the agency versus the way they've treated me directly as a freelance writer on these calls. And it really is night and day. They're really hard on these agencies, which might be why agencies are kind of rude to their writers. I think it's just that type of cutthroat industry and it's very churn and burn and who can get us the best results. It's just the way things tend to be. And it's what I've noticed after years of doing this. Now, the third type of client you can take on is what I like to call the entrepreneur, the solopreneur or the influencer. And that's somebody who is really running the show as one person or just has a really lean team. They might be very early stage startup and they don't have a typically structured marketing department. So I've taken on a few a few clients like this and the pros are is that you can form a really strong relationship and get ongoing work from that person. Some of my really strong relationships have been with entrepreneurs who need content as like a side hustle. They're building thought leadership, they're building their brand, and they need a writer to help them ease the load in terms of creating content. What was cool about that in the very beginning was that they were just like paying me directly on Venmo. We didn't have to go through all of the hoops of getting contract signed and legal and dealing with kind of more of the widespread marketing departments that I was used to dealing with. The big downside and probably why I steer away from this client now is that they are so close to what they're doing that they have a lot of edits, revisions, they're very picky, and they tend to micromanage the process. What I've experienced with my clients, and I think that's why I've stayed in the tech niche, is that when there's a big marketing department and there's several people that you're interacting with and there's all these different goals, they kind of let me do my thing. They trust my judgment. You know, they're more than happy when I tell them that I only give one round of revisions. And they tend to have a more hands-off, chill demeanor, whereas when it's somebody's like personal brand or a smaller company, they really tend to be, for lack of a better word, up my ass. And I... I really struggled, even though, crazy enough, I liked these clients the most and had the strongest connection with them, but they were the most difficult to work with. I think they're just so close and personally invested in what they're doing that nothing I did was really good enough. And I, it wasn't a great feeling despite me loving what they were doing, loving their their mission, their cause, I did find it was more difficult to work with them and probably just prefer the more impersonal relationship of a marketing manager just reaching out to me and assigning me work periodically with like very little input. So depending on what type of client you are looking for, whether you're going to work directly for the client, whether you are going to work for an agency and whether you're going to work for an entrepreneur, that is going to determine where you should look for those clients. So for the companies that I work for, which are just I'm working directly for the client, it's usually for a technology company. LinkedIn is my best bet. There's obviously a lot of agencies that deal with technology writers, so that could be good for me, too. But for me, I'm not going to find my clients on Facebook or Instagram. Now, at this point, a lot of writers are probably saying to themselves watching this, well, my ideal client is on Instagram. They are on social media like Facebook and TikTok because I want to work for course creators or influencers or solopreneurs. My best advice for you is if you are going to go after that niche is to go on LinkedIn and get some higher paying clients to supplement your income. You don't have to switch to like a boring, dry niche like mine, which is B2B technology. I think I went the most secure route possible just because of like where I am in my life and wanting to build wealth and and needing to, to make this a full-time thing. I never went from side hustle to full-time. It was like unemployed to full-time. So I needed to go full blast. So I I was very strategic about targeting companies that I knew had the budget. So 
my my advice to you is if you are going to go for course creators or solopreneurs, people who don't necessarily have a huge budget for writers, work with them, get the experience, build your portfolio, but then go on LinkedIn and try to find a company with a big marketing budget that's going to pay you to write about topics that you like to write. So let me give you an example. Let's say you are in the personal development space and you see like the Brendan Burchards of the world or the Tony Robbins and you're like, I want to work for somebody like that. Okay, so you see the person you want to work for, but what kind of content would they be writing as a Tony Robbins or a Brendan Burchard? It's going to be time management, motivation, relationships, right? So you have your topics. Now go on LinkedIn, find companies that are going to write about those topics too. So maybe you're not writing for Tony Robbins, but maybe you're writing time management articles for um, a website like Toggle or those timekeeper apps that people are using. You have to really get out of the mindset of being so literal and thinking that, oh, if I want to write in personal development, I have to write for Tony Robbins. No, if you want to write for personal development, target a company like BetterUp. They're like a big technology company that's completely devoted to coaching and upskilling employees. So all of their content is going to be geared towards bettering yourself and personal development. Same with if you're, um, let's say, like a spiritual Reiki new age writer. Instead of targeting like your favorite tarot card reader on Instagram, maybe you go online and see like what is the most profitable product within the new age space? Oh, well, I see that this publishing company puts out all of the new age books. Maybe I could target them. I see that this, what are those stones called? Healing. Oh my God, I used to have a lot of these before I became a born again Christian. Crystals. Jeez, I could not think of it. Let's say there's a company that sells healing crystals. You could write for that. You want to just see which companies are producing content that is in the general area of what you want to write. And that's why I believe LinkedIn, despite your niche, despite you maybe not thinking your ideal client is on that platform, I think you will still be so much better off getting on that platform and targeting these clients directly on a non-saturated platform versus getting on Upwork and Fiverr and getting into the whole like bidding war and pay and, you know, writing for pennies, all that stuff. Now, the next thing you want to do is create an online presence that's entirely geared around that niche. So if you are going to be writing in the spirituality and self-help space, your website, your portfolio, and your LinkedIn profile has to be completely geared toward somebody who would hire you for that role. You want your ideal client to come across your profiles wherever it is, whether it's your LinkedIn profile, your Instagram, your website, your portfolio, and look at your work and say, yes, I know she can do that. Because the most compelling things for clients is to see that you've done work that is similar for other people out there and they know immediately that they're not going to have to spend a lot of time training you. They, you know, a lot of people are just sitting there so unsure about whether or not you can do the job. But when they see the work for themselves, they're more inclined to give you a chance, either respond to your cold pitch or reach out to you first. So I'll give you like a very quick breakdown, even though I have so many videos on how to do each one of these on my YouTube channel, which I'll link to down below. But to create a website, all you need is a hosting platform and a website builder. Now, keep this in mind. I did not know anything about building a website. I had never built a website before I decided to become a freelance copywriter. So I went to Bluehost and purchased like a year-long domain. I registered my full name.com, christinegamolka.com. Then I chose Weebly as my website builder and I connected those two, right? So Bluehost is what I pay to have christinegamolka.com registered to me. But Weebly is the site that I use to build the actual website. And the reason I chose Weebly was because 
quite honestly, I was between that and Square and I couldn't figure out Square and I definitely could not figure out WordPress. So that's just anecdotal experience from somebody who genuinely had no idea how to create a website. I found Weebly was the only one that really accommodated an absolute beginner. It had the drag and drop interface. So uh, I, of course, that was years ago. And I think that if you wanted to have like a really nice website, Square might be the best. But with freelance copywriting, it doesn't necessarily matter what your website looks like because you're not marketing like graphic design and aesthetic services. You are a words person. As long as the person can understand, as long as the client on the other end can understand what they're going to get from you by reading your site, it does not have to be super pretty or professional. The most professional it has to be is you, you're registering your domain. So you will look so much more professional if you have, you know, spiritualwriter.com versus spiritualwriter.wix.weebly. Because when you don't pay for a domain, you don't get, you know, yourname.com. Another really common question I get is how do I create a um, domain name? Because it seems like a bit of a commitment. You're paying for this name and it's permanent. That is why I chose ChristineGamoka.com because when I first got started as a freelance copywriter and I was looking at all the YouTube videos and step-by-step -step following these processes, I had no idea if I was going to stick with tech. I did not know where any of this would lead. I literally just took a chance. So I said, you know, the one thing that's not going to change is my name. So let me just stick with that for the time being. And that suffices. And even my email domain is at christinegamolka.com. It's very simple. And it really saved me a lot of back and forth about trying to find the perfect name, the perfect website name or business name. So portfolio pieces, this is another huge topic because people are like, well, I've never worked for somebody. How do I get a portfolio piece? And I don't have a portfolio piece. So how do I work for someone? It's like seriously very confusing. I think this exact step is what kept me so, so stuck, even though I knew I wanted to try online writing. I was like, well, how is anyone going to hire me? I don't have a portfolio. So check the video right here about how to create a portfolio from scratch, even if you have no experience. It is 100% possible to create a compelling portfolio that clients want to hire you based on, even though you have no experience, you're just going to create them yourself. And it's super simple and it's free. Along with your website domain, you're going to want to purchase your email domain. Like I said before, my email is my name at christinegamoka.com, not blah, blah, blah at Gmail. Again, this is not make or break, but if you're really trying to establish yourself and make yourself look professional, the best thing you can do is set yourself up to look like a business. If you want other businesses to trust you and exchange business services with you and pay you a high rate, you have to present yourself in the most professional light possible simply to build trust. Just you personally, would you really want to be doing business or buying a product from somebody who had a Gmail email address? No, right? Would you want somebody who didn't even pay for a website and had a dot Wix website? Would you enter your credit card information and pay that person? Probably not. So you really want to just build trust. Even though these are investments, they're very low investments and there's so many cheap workarounds these days. The barrier to entry to become a freelancer is the or any service-based business is so, so cheap compared to other online businesses that so many people are pursuing these days. So you have to keep that in perspective. I know I'm one of those people who I'm so frugal. So everything I invested in the beginning, I was like so nervous and like, oh, my God, I can't believe because I was unemployed and I was not spending money on anything at that point. So it was a big deal for me to invest in the web hosting and the email. But take a chance on yourself. Invest in yourself. And it is the best thing I ever did. And I would pay double the amount if I knew that it was going to turn into a full time career the way it did. Now I'm so much more loose with investing in the technology that I need because I'm really trying to loosen up and invest in myself because I know it'll pay off in the end. 
Now, I'm curious, comment down below and tell me what your situation is. Are you trying to transition from a full-time job to full-time freelancing? Do you just want to do freelancing as a side hustle? Let me know what your situation is because I love to tailor the content to speak to your specific situation. Now, after you've chosen who you want to reach out to, how you're going to find these clients, you have to create a strategy for cold pitching them. And while people will say, yes, get on LinkedIn, get on whatever platform, social media platform, and start cold emailing, the number one thing people don't talk about is going in with a strategy. If you don't go in with a strategy, you're going to fall into the trap that so many writers fall into, which is sending five pitches or maybe 10 pitches the first week or two and then falling off and saying, I just don't understand why I can't get clients and nobody answers me. The truth is this is a numbers game. You have to send a lot of pitches consistently and you will get the end result. It is not a matter of if you will be successful cold pitching. It's a matter of when. So if you want to be successful sooner, you're going to pump up those numbers. As uh, Matthew McConaughey says in Wolf of Wall Street, you got to pump up those numbers. You have to send so many cold pitches in the beginning and that momentum eventually pays off. I know it paid off for me. Obviously, cold pitching is something where your other ducks have to be in a row before the cold pitching can work, right? So for example, if you're sending the perfect cold pitch and you are sending 10 pitches per week consistently for a year, but your profile and your website aren't good. Or, and let's say you're sending all of those pitches consistently, you're doing the pitching part right, but then they go to your profile and your photo is like weird and doesn't seem like they can trust you. You'll have no good result from cold pitching. Let's say they go to your portfolio and the writing samples have errors or they're not even lined up with that person's niche, then your cold pitching won't pay off. So there's so many different things that need to be in place for cold pitching to be effective. But if everything is in place, but you're not consistent, that will sabotage your results. So go in with a strategy. If you buy my templates, you will have the cold pitches already. So you don't have to worry about what to say, which is helpful. And then once you have those templates, you literally just set tasks for yourself each week and say, I'm going to reach out to five companies per week. Like, for example, we're doing a cold pitch accountability challenge within the private Slack group for my course, 30 Days to Paid. And literally, there's a separate channel and we all put our goals in the group. And I said what my goals were because I'm in there, too. I'm not just like sitting up here as the instructor watching everyone else do this. I'm cold pitching because I have my own freelance business goals as well. So I told the other writers in the group, you know, share what your cold pitch is. How many pitches are you going to send per week? What are your bucket list clients? Like who would your dream clients be? What obstacles do you think are going to hold you back from achieving this? Because as my students in the course know, we have the best of intentions and we have all the knowledge, but then we don't have the consistency and follow through. And that's where the sabotage comes from. So, you know, preemptively say, like, what are the things that block me from staying consistent? And for me personally, it's like I have this excuse in my head that because I have a full time client roster and because I'm already bogged down with work, I don't have time for cold pitching. It's just an excuse. So now I'm loving the accountability challenge because every Friday I'm going in and sharing who I pitched, what responses I got. And I also want to normalize the lack of results. Right. Like I have 124 pending LinkedIn invitations right now meaning 124 people that have never accepted the request that I sent, right? So when I tell you this is a numbers game, like I'm living proof. I have a, I'm working full-time as a freelance copywriter and I pitch consistently and I don't get answers most of the time, but I get answers enough to the point where I'm making a full-time living as a writer and that's good enough for me. So the rejection is very normal and I want everybody to kind of lean into it and dive head first and it's okay if you don't receive answers back to your cold pitches. Here's another thing that writers really struggle with, which is gaining the confidence to get on calls with clients 
this is really common. So I'm 32, so I'm already part of the generation that absolutely hates getting on calls. I have to tell you guys, I really hate phone calls. I I would much rather text, okay? I don't like being stuck on the phone. It just makes me like very claustrophobic. It drains my energy. I hate the phone. But getting on calls with clients and building that face-to-face rapport is, I believe, like one of the top ways I actually got my start as a freelance copywriter despite having no experience. People trust you when they get to look at your face, look into your eyes, see that you're a real person, see how you speak. You don't have to be amazing. So you'll see on my YouTube channel, I talk about client call confidence and how to carry out these calls. You don't have to get there and sell yourself. You just have to show that you're human. Put a smile on your face. Make eye contact. Don't stare at yourself in the camera. (laughs) Stare them in the eyes the entire time. Nod your head. Be engaged in the conversation. And ask meaningful, thoughtful questions. Get them thinking critically about their own business. Impress them with your questions. Impress them with your curiosity. You don't have to get on there and give this whole like pitch and be super salesy and have this amazing personality. A lot of people understand that writers are not always going to be the most personable to begin with. So take some pressure off yourself. And what I recommend is that you get on a call with absolutely no expectations. Get on this call, like cold pitch somebody, get them to answer, get them on a call and say, no matter what happens on this call, this is just practice for me. It's just like the interview process. And most people at this point have been on a job interview. Yes, it sucks. Yes, it's uncomfortable. But you, if you've been on enough of them, they no longer intimidate you. So get on a call with no expectations. Give yourself permission to screw up, to say the wrong thing, to freeze up and and just blow it. Why not? What do you have to lose? Who cares? Like, Just give yourself the opportunity to practice and gain a skill because the reason I think I'm able to get these long-term clients who I work with for longer than a year instead of getting trapped in the one-off freelancing projects is because I build relationships with my clients. And it's not because I'm like having all these relationship building tactics and like sending them gift cards. I just genuinely am letting them know I'm another human on the side of the screen. When they see that email come in from me, they can put a face to the name. They feel more obligated to keep giving me work instead of maybe going on to another freelance writer. So I think a lot of freelancers sabotage themselves by not forcing themselves to get on client calls. If you are curious about the type of copywriting and content writing that I do for my clients and how much I charge for those services, definitely click this video here where I break down my freelance business showing you what I like to do, what I don't like to do, what comprises my business. And I really like being transparent because I wish I had someone in the beginning of my freelance career tell me, hey, this is how I make a full-time income. I do this amount of blog posts, this amount of emails, and here's what I charge. I don't think people are transparent enough in this space. And I think that's what makes people so so hesitant to go out and try to make it work because they don't see that it's possible. So definitely check this video out right here. You are not going to want to miss it. And I hope this helps. Bye.